afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. My son, you were my earth. You didn't know all the ways I loved you. No, so you took a chance and made of a plan. But I bet you didn't think that they would come crashing down. No, people don't have to say what you did. Told me, keep messing with my head. Should have picked honesty, then you may not have thought it. Yeah. You don't have to say, don't have to say what you did. I already know. I
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 263 of the Hoops Podcast. It's Thursday, June 24th, 2021. It's just really the nefarious brother Adam, aka Joshy Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram at Joshy Lopez94 at Josh Lopez Music if you want to see me do some guitar covers. On this week's podcast, we'll be reviewing this past Sunday's WWE Hell in the Cell pay review. Also, of course, we got our main event segment, What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? And a lot more right here on the Hoots Podcast. Um, Josh, I, myself, I'm Joshy. I'm flying solo this week. Uh, Brother Carter is going to be taking the next couple weeks off, uh, just handling some personal stuff and enjoying his uh, summer vacation. So uh, Brother Carter's going to be going a little bit on a sabbatical, and he'll be back here in July. Uh, all everything's good with us. Um, he just takes some time off for himself, and uh, that that's more than fine with me. <laughs> Enjoy your time, Brother Carter, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the show. Anyways. Still gonna have fun here. We still get into the what the hell is wrong with AEW stuff like that and just having a good time. So, um, you know, with the Hoots podcast, I was mentioning earlier before I uh, pressed the record button, uh, we are 9,000 like plays and downloads away from reaching 300,000 on Anchor. And that, that really is a lot, especially for a show like this, it's really independent DIY. Um, not backed by a major network or anything like that. Uh, this podcast is homegrown and something that I'm very, very proud of. And I take a lot of pride when it comes to this podcast and what it represents. So I want to thank each and every single one of you, our weekly listeners, uh, people who check it out bi-weekly or for the uh, pay-per-view shows. Uh, anytime you check out the Hoots podcast, whether it's video or audio, I appreciate it. Um, all I ask for you guys to subscribe to the show. Whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts from, and leave us a four or five star review, especially for those who use Apple Podcasts, really, really does expand the reach of the show. And me and Brother Carter want to really gauge on what you like about the Who's Podcast or what you don't like. We're open to any constructive criticism, and I'm open to hearing your guys' suggestions or um, advice or anything like that. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been doing this show for six years. That doesn't mean that we can't. Uh, take uh, criticism or um, any suggestions from you guys. So, um, if there's is there different style content that you want me to pump out? Do you like the interviews I was doing? Did you like those um, uh, catching up with sessions I was doing, like the side interviews I was doing? Would there be more content you like me to do now that I'm working from home? Um, I'm always open up to suggestions. So, with that being said. Um, <laughs> We got a lot to get into, so we're going to start off with a Good Brothers Q&A session. Uh, this is your first time listening to the podcast. You can always send me a question at Josh Lopez Media or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. What we do here with the Good Brothers Q&A session, we take questions from the Good Brothers and Good Sisters. Uh, it could be about sports. It could be about wrestling. It could be about life. It could be about mental health. It could be about relationships. I answer all those. No topic is off limits when it comes to the Good Brothers Q&A session. And I also try to share some wisdom, and um, I'll be sharing that a, a little bit later on. As I reflect on the last two weeks I spent in Oviedo, Florida, and I'll be doing that towards the end of the segment, so be able to look out for that. 
So, we're going to start it off with the good brother Chris Letta per ritual. Uh, make sure to follow Chris on Twitter at xteensletta24x on Twitter. Um, he says, What up, Boost? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. With the Bulls not having a lottery pick, what should they be looking to do this offseason? Good question. Uh, Chris, I'll be fully transparent with you. I was completely indifferent towards the NBA this season. I barely watched. I barely even watched Bulls games as they were going on. Uh, you know, I was happy to see what was going on with, like, Patrick Williams, the draft from last uh, last season, and, you know, Colby White and stuff like that. But I wasn't really paying too much close attention. But from what I heard from, like, the radio shows here in Chicago is that uh, the Bulls really need to go out of way to find an established point guard that really help expand the the levels of what the team can do offensively. Uh, I'd just like to see a little bit more quality <laughs> when it comes out of the bench. Um, and, you know, this it's a lot. It's a rebuild, right? You know, um, what, what are the Bulls going to actually do to get themselves to the point where they can become a sustainable um, annual, perennial, whatever you want to call it, uh, playoff team? Uh, that'd be my main focus is, like, you know, what really helped those Bulls with, like, Derrick Rose and Joe Kidnola, that era was the fact that there was a, a bench mob and, you know, I, I think that's very important, especially at least, at least for this organization. So um, it could go in many different directions, but I'm curious to see what they do now that they're not like in the top five of the draft or anything like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. How ridiculous is it getting in baseball that the pitchers are being checked multiple times in the game for substances? Oh, God. All right, let's take a seat back. <laughs> Um, I, I'll tell you what Chris said. This is, um, I haven't really had a chance to talk about this with anybody, so you're hearing this first. You know, baseball was one of my favorite sports as a kid. At one time, it was my favorite sport because I was playing baseball. Uh, a little part of me actually wanted to play baseball for a living. Uh, I think as I got older and I've uh, seen the changes with the league and, just all the odd, unwritten rules, the the stuff you're mentioning here with the 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 officials checking pictures for substances. Every other day, you're having uh, hysteria and anxiety of whether who's cheating or who's not, who's sealing sides, who's tipping pitches, who's doing this, who's doing that, and at some point. When you are making your league look like a complete laughing stock, it's just it's embarrassing. Rob Manfred is a terrible commissioner, and I'm not saying anything that anybody hasn't been saying. Like he's really done nothing to help either expand baseball from a popularity standpoint. And all these rules and all this extra stuff, the extra inning rule where you have a runner at second automatically with no outs. And it, it, it's not fun. The fact that people can enjoy more of the game of baseball in MLB to show than actually watching a game in person tells you everything you need to know. I'm happy that... The teams are back to having fans back at 100% capacity. I think that's awesome. Um, at the same time, though, it's just really, really frustrating to sit there watching the game and you don't know when something's going to happen. Oh, here's a challenge about somebody uh, having 
their belt not uh, positioned at the right spot or somebody not wearing the right color glove like that that was going on the other day like it, it, it's it's so it's so fucking stupid and so on par with this era of baseball that it, even in baseball they go through a year where they don't induct people into the hall of fame because they got these unwritten rules and stuff like that it, it's just there needs to be a foundational change in the upper structure of baseball, period, like, period, something really, really needs to change, um, so, go to the next question here, he says, who wins the last chance match on Raw, so we got AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, and, um, uh, Randy Orton, it's a triple threat match, yep, so, you know what, uh, Chris, I, I'm really looking forward to this match. You know, I, we talked about it already. I'm not going to repeat myself every single week. Like, the, the fickle Drew McIntyre hate that I see on Twitter is just absolutely ridiculous. So, oh, why, why they put Drew McIntyre in the last match, the last chance match? Oh, they keep giving them opportunities even though they said they weren't going to give him another opportunity. Just let the thing play out. <laughs> like... Triple H said it a lot in his like his press conference with the uh, the media the, the for the last takeover. Right? He was like, "Fans ruin it for themselves. People do all these super entendre mental like <laughs> fancy bookie sessions, and then when it doesn't align to what they're thinking, oh, it's wrong. It's this. It's that. Let the thing play out. Then react from there. Um, I think that Randy Orton will win the last chance uh, triple threat match." Um, you know, I put I put out the whole scenario about Jinder Mahal costing Drew McIntyre to match at Hell in a Cell. I think it happens this Monday on Raw. So be on the lookout for that. Alright, next question. Thoughts on Roderick Strong being part of Diamond Mine? This is what I love about the uh, Good Brothers Q&A session. Even if I don't have time to hit on something uh, throughout the podcast, we get little side questions like this. Um, you know what, Chris? Um, I, I love it. I, I love the presentation. I love how it was rolled out. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm a person that doesn't live with expectations, so I wasn't expecting something stupid. I wasn't expecting something great. I just wanted to see what happened and then react from there, right? And how the whole thing ended, like the whole Kushida Kyle O'Reilly match was awesome. You have Adam Cole coming out there, brawling with each other. Samoa Joe's trying to, you know, play peacemaker. You have everybody back in the ring, and then here comes uh, the Diamond Mine group. So we have Roderick Strong, Malcolm Bivis, Tyler Russ, uh, or Russ Taylor back in the day for New Japan fans, and then um, uh, Hideki Suzuki. I've I've never seen Suzuki wrestle before, so I'm I'm excited to watch his work. Um, I I really really enjoy it. I think it's cool. I'm happy for Roddy that he found something within himself to do. Um, I think Mal- Malcolm Bivis could. Uh, do uh, for Roddy from a character standpoint that maybe Robbie, Roddy can't do uh, by himself as a face or a heel uh, promo-wise. But, you know, it's cool. It, it's pretty funny because I actually interviewed Roderick Strong and Malcolm Vivids back in the day on my old Pro Wrestling Experience show. So I think it's pretty cool that those two guys are in a group with each other, and I think, I think that's really cool. So I really enjoyed it. Good question. Do you like the men's field for men? Uh, do you like the field for the men's money to bank ladder match so far? Yes. 
So we have um, John Morrison, Ricochet, uh, and Riddle um, for Raw. We'll see who get who gets to qualify on SmackDown. Um, I I do want to say that I thought from WWE, so you got Dallas Smart on them to like you know get the qualifying matches out of the way for Money in the Bank. I thought that was the right uh, decision to go about it, right? So um, yeah, I thought I thought that was cool. Um, so we have Riddle, Ricochet, and John Morrison. More than five. I mean, I thought that was fine. Um, yeah, I like the field so far. I'm just curious to see who's going to be in the qualified matches on SmackDown tomorrow. I don't think they've announced that yet. Let me take a quick swig of water really quick. All right. How impressed are you with Carmelo Hayes after his first two matches at NXT? Um, I, I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I like Carmelo for what he does in the ring and how he carries himself. Um... The whole stuff, the ruthless aggression thing, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I was actually at the show where John Cena made his WWE debut. It was in Chicago. I was eight years old when John Cena did the whole ruthless aggression thing and slapped Kurt Angle in the face. Um, I was there for that show. So I thought that was pretty funny that uh, Carmel Hayes uh, did that. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been very impressed with this work. You know, for me, um, I wouldn't say that I'm fully like jaded towards things in professional wrestling but it takes a lot to really like grab my attention and have somebody like stand out for what they do from other people that could do step up insecurities springboard maneuvers uh tornillos and all these other extra fancy moves it's really hard to separate for the pack because a lot of people do a lot of the same stuff um, you know, as much as people love jungle boy and the underdog character i think he's very generic in the ring to today's wrestling, I'm not saying that he's not good. He's not. I'm not saying he's not a good athlete or anything like that. But what separates Jungle Boy from Pac and Jack Evans and the 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 Dick Bucks? Like they they all do the same shit. There's something different to them. I like the swagger of Carmelo Hayes. I like the name Carmelo Hayes. Uh, I know it's really like, why can't he just call the Christian Castanova? It's like. I feel like some wrestling fans are so stuck in their own bubble that they think if they're not aligning everything that happens in the indies or NXT, oh my god, it's the worst thing ever. You know, some things don't work on different platforms. Sometimes you need to change shit up. I don't know. <laughs> That's another topic for another time. I'm not going to get into this, but like... Carmelo Hayes is good. I, I, I'm i impressed with his work in the ring, and I'm curious to see where he goes from there. So I, If anything, I'd like to see a little bit more on 205 Live. Um, I feel like uh, they're kind of running through the bill of the, uh, you know, one week it's Arya Davari against Ari Sterling, and then Tony Nese against Asher Hale, and then they go vice versa next week. I think they should implement some of the other guys like Trey Baxter and Carmelo Hayes and get those guys some shots on that show. Um, good question. Let's see what Chris has left. Uh, last question for Chris is, what's more likely at SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley uh, or Kofi, Bobby, Brock, anywhere in that scenario? Um, man, that's a good question. You know what? I think that... Um, I could possibly see Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. 
At the same time, I, maybe it could be Bobby and Kofi and they find a way to build Kofi's character back up with the fans coming back and they could buy it as a viable reason as Kofi beats Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. I, I wouldn't put it past them. It's not, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, but uh, that's the thing. I, I, I'm not betting or putting all my hopes up that Brock Lesnar is just going to randomly show up. If he shows up, cool. If not, you have talented people on your roster. We can't get to this point if we're going to rely on the Brock Lesnar's and John Cena's popping up at every WrestleMania or SummerSlam because us fickle fans don't allow the characters that are on TV every week to actually develop on their own path. We got to rush them into title uh, things. No, we got to rush people into having championships. We got to rush people into feuds. We got to rush people into this and that because people have ADD and they don't let shit play out. So, you know, why? it's one thing to say, oh, it's just the 50-50 booking that doesn't allow the wrestlers to uh, get to a certain uh, path in their journey. No, it's the freaking fickle fans who start saying that people are being shut down their throats when they start winning, uh, go on a winning streak. Or the, the fans would be like, oh, a heel's getting buried because he loses. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. More times than not, you know, when you're a heel... Out of 10 heels, probably at best, three of them are probably going to have, like, dominant win-loss records. Like, let's be honest about this stuff. Um, so, anyways, um, I, I could probably see Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Who knows? Maybe it's a three-way. Um, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. I want to thank Chris for saying some good questions there. Those were good ones. Um, next, we're going to go to the good brother, Sam Piopo. At Second City Sam. What's going on, my man? Um, give me your way too early Super Bowl matchup prediction. Oh, man. That's a good one. You, you know what, Sam? Man, that's, that's rough. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills and Los Angeles Rams. I don't have specific reasons as to why. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it's the Chiefs again, because you know who. But um, yeah, I, maybe Buffalo and L.A. I I don't think the Packers are making it. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do this season. <laughs> um, maybe the Bucks find, can find a way to get back in. I'm not sure that it's always so fluid with injuries now that we have an extra week added on to the season. I, I'm very curious to see how this NFL season goes on because like I'm a really big NFL fan and uh, the, the fact that they're doing 18 weeks uh, of football, um, I'm really excited to see how all of this goes out. So uh, if I had to pick an early one right now, Sam, I'll go with Buffalo and the Rams. That would be my prediction. What week, if at all, do you think we see Justin Fields under center? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think it's all dependent on train camp, right? Or unless Matt's uh, sticking to his guns about this. Um, you know what, Sam? I think uh, Justin Fields will probably hit the field probably after the bye week. Uh, probably my best guess. Um, I don't think... Justin should play this season. I'm throwing that out there. I don't think he should play. Uh, I don't think the team is at a point right now where he's going to maximize his um, 
potential with the the weapons they're on right now, where the team's currently at. Um, I I just think right now, like Justin Fields is it's such like a no win situation because he's drafted to a team that's never developed a quarterback in their entire franchise, and he's in a city that doesn't know quarterback development if it slapped them in the face. And it's like, what what is the right way to bring in Justin Fields to the Chicago Bears and into his the start of his career? Because the first moment he throws an interception, the first moment he throws, uh, the first time he loses the game, we're going to go through the same cycle we've been going through as Bears fans over the last 30, 40 years. Of, okay, this guy's a bum. Oh, here's another example. Ryan Pace doesn't know what he's doing. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's like, <laughs> we're kind of in wicksand. It's like we're we're pissing down our pants yet not letting anything play out. I mean, people were just like so ready to run Mitch Trubisky out of the city literally the day after he got drafted. It's like at, at some point we don't. This city doesn't deserve a quarterback because we don't know how to actually evaluate a quarterback, whether it's the, the franchise or the fans. <laughs> um, question number three from Sam is, uh, are you over the Alexa Bliss gimmick? Um, I'm not going to sit here being a hypocrite and be like, oh, I can't take Alexa Bliss seriously and all this like... Um, extracurricular horror stuff and mind control and stuff like that. I'd be a hypocrite to come in here and shit on it because my favorite uh, character, my favorite wrestler of all time is The Undertaker. So how can I sit here and talk to you guys and be like, oh, I, I can't suspend my disbelief with Alexa Bliss. I think we all tend to forget the shows we're actually watching. And I know a lot of people are... are are upset and don't want to acknowledge that WWE is a sports entertainment show and not quote unquote pro wrestling. Um, so they they watch that show through pro wrestling colored glasses. With every wrestling show I watch, I watch it for what that show is. When I watch WWE, I know I'm gonna get wrestling, but I'm also gonna have stuff that maybe may not make sense to the pro wrestling fan. Some things are over the top. You know, it's glitz and glamour, stuff like that. So, I I have a different mindset of watching these shows. When I watch, you know, you know Impact, it, 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 it's just very funny, this double standards of what is acceptable from a gimmick point of view, where you have Alexa Bliss doing her thing with Lily, but it's okay to have a character like Rosemary and Abaddon, and nobody says anything about that. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's all subjective. Uh, I'm not going to come on here and tell you that I don't want to see Alexa Bliss on my television screen because that's not true. I could look at that woman any day of the fucking week. So for me, I like <laughs> I like her in the ring. Um, I think it gets a little bit over the top. I think the thing that doesn't help the character or the gimmick is the commentary. It's the commentary team. It's Byron Saxon with his sunken place reactions to things that are going on. It's like, I 
we get it. it, it rational, you shouldn't have be able to have the ability to play mind control people. But his reactions to the things she does just just sucks the energy out of the element of what's going on in there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If that's a, that's a directive from Kevin Dunn where they want them to be openly confused. When you're openly trying to make your announcers confused, what the fuck do you think the people at home are thinking? <laughs> you're this is why I stress about commentary. Commentary are the not only they're the narrators of what's going on in your stories, but they are the tone setters. If your announcing is playing off confused and are like, what's going on here? Or come off as even they don't like something that's going on. What do you, what how does that come off the screen to your fans at home watching it? There's so much more that goes into this stuff than just, oh, how's the booking? What's the script this person was given? There's so much more that goes to wrestling than what you guys talk about on Twitter sometimes. Are you all at are you at all worried about the White Sox recent struggles? No. Uh it's a long baseball season. People are gonna have long losing streaks. Uh I remember when the White Sox won the World Series in 05, they nearly had a complete meltdown and almost lost the division to the Cleveland Indians. Stuff's gonna play out, you know, it's a baseball season. I'm not I'm not worried. Uh, glad to see that they won yesterday. You know, uh, it's part of a long baseball season. Um, I'm excited to see where the team comes uh, into fruition when uh, Eloy Him- uh, Jimenez and Luis Robert comes back. So I'm not I'm not worried about the White Sox. As far as baseball season, I'm not really that worried about it. Um, next question: Do you think Samoa Joe's time as a wrestler is over? Um, possibly. You know, for me, I-, I want what's best for him and what he wants to do. If he wants to wrestle more, more power to him. Uh, if he doesn't wrestle again, he does commentary or what he's doing right now with NXT, I'm fine with that as well. Uh, him, Samojo being part of the wrestling business is a good thing. But do I think it's over? I don't know. Kind of like 50-50 on it right now, Sam. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. But uh, I think uh, it, maybe he'll have maybe one or two matches left. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, match number six, favorite Samoa Joe match. Uh, my favorite Samoa Joe match, I have two of them. Uh, there was a Bound for Glory match that he had with Austin Aries. I forgot what year it was, but it was one of my favorite TNA matches. And then um, um, if I could pick one out from uh, the other years, of course, you go back to the classic of him. AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels, the, uh, what was the Unbreakable show. That they did, yeah, that 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 one uh, definitely stands out from the rest for sure. Uh, most underrated women's wrestler in the business today. Oh, thank you, Sam, for asking me a good question, my man. Uh, this is a good one. I'll tell you who's underrated. It's Carmella, the most beautiful woman in WWE. <laughs> Carmella is very underrated for what she does inside the ring. I know the easy answers is Nikki Cross and Liv Morgan and yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to think about it, when we're talking about sports entertainment and what we're watching for WWE, we're talking strictly WWE right here. Tell me what Carmella doesn't do that doesn't fit what that promotion wants to present. She has presence. She can talk. 
She has good matches. She has an it factor. She catches your attention. What doesn't Carmella do? She's money to me. <laughs> She's always been money to me. I think Carmella is very underrated and very underappreciated for what she does. And I, I like to see more opportunities for her. I think it was kind of crazy that they're already doing Bianca and Bailey after WrestleMania when you could just have Carmella take that time period that you were doing uh, over the last couple of months. Um, but yeah, I, I think Carmella out of everybody is probably the most underrated wrestler, uh, women's wrestler in the business today. Also, I wouldn't call her underrated. She doesn't have enough spotlight when it comes to the mainstream United States wrestling fans and the media here is uh, Kaylee Ray. She's phenomenal, man. She is phenomenal. Ooh, interesting question. What section will you be in for Raw on August 2nd? Well, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk about this, guys, but um, I'll be going to Raw in Chicago at the Allstate Arena, uh, a.k.a. the Rosemont Horizon, on August 2nd. And I'll be in Section 6, Row 3. I'll be right in front of the ring, on the right-hand side of the entranceway. So you guys may see me on television on August 2nd. So, um, yeah, I'm, re I'm really excited for this. It's going to be a blast to be back at the Horizon, be back at Rosemont. So um, I'll be in Section 6, and I'll be right by the ring, pal. <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be a, a fucking blast. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother, for sending the questions, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go to our next set of questions from OG supporter of the Hoots Podcast, Patrick Fritz. Uh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at RatedPWF on Twitter. Um, here's Pat's questions for the podcast this week. Do you think WWE is in a corner as far as listening to the network executives go? Exec uh, example, USA had to have a hell of a cell match because Fox did. Um... Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting topic that came out of the week about, you know, some of the networks being upset about Fox getting a Hell in a Cell match and not USA or how that whole situation went. Um, I mean, we are talking about business and sometimes you're going to run into these situations. Um, I mean, if you're USA, are you upset that Roman Reigns is not on Monday Night Raw? As much as the goofy presentation of the WWE draft, do you think that this year's uh, draft's not going to have a little bit more incentive than it has in previous years? Um, it's going to be very interesting because a lot of people say that SmackDown is the A show for WWE because uh, it's on Fox and it has the better stuff that's going on right now. Um, you can say being put in a corner, but... When you when you're uh I think that's a, a good thing for a wrestling company to say like you, here's your promotion you have you can do anything you want you can drop it on any show at any time and you can have networks fight for it now you don't want to get to the point where you're potentially damaging a potential uh, TV relationship <laughs> with the networks but um I wouldn't say put it in a corner I just uh, this stuff happens at times. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. Uh, if anything, it got me more interested as far as the draft concerned. Because you know, if something like this became a news topic, what do you think is going to happen when it comes to the draft? 
and who the networks are going to fight for to keep on their certain networks. Which wrestlers get uh, more money? Uh, a lot of questions. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, do you see any other release superstars returning before the end of the year? Good question, Pat. Um, returning to WWE-wise, probably not. Um, you know, me. I thought maybe it would be a possibility of Aleister Black coming back with Selena Vega, uh, Selena Vega, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, glad to see. Do you think there's a long-term opponent for Roman Reigns past SummerSlam? Yes, Seth Rollins. Yes, I think that'll be a long-term opponent for uh, Roman Reigns. I don't know how they get there, but you can find a way to make Seth Rollins a babyface again and have him go against Roman Reigns, and I think that'd be pretty pretty cool. So <laughs> uh, I, I would say Seth, Seth Rollins for sure. I would say Kevin Owens, but he's, he's, I, I see he's taking some time off of uh, television. So um, my thoughts are with you, KO. I hope you... Uh, Enjoy your time off. Hope you get to recover and heal. And I'm gonna miss seeing you on television, buddy. Um, so we'll have to see, but I think if it was my pick, I'll go with uh Roman Reigns. Uh, no, Seth Rollins. <laughs> uh, our last set of questions this week comes from the good brother Nate at Psycho Nagiri. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Psycho Nagiri. He says, What do you hope for the diamond mine? Well, I hope for the Diamond is that they're an effective group, obviously. But, um, you know, to add some more wrinkles and add some more storyline developments on 205 Live, I think it would be appreciated because they do put on good wrestling matches every week. But there are never really any feuds or any extra elements to 205 Live than, okay, here's the matches of this week, and that's it. Um, so, I know that there's been a uh, little, like, news bits about... NXT want to put more of a spotlight on the cruiserweight division in the championship, and you know I, I'm not opposed to it. You know, imagine Roderick Strong and Kushida would be really cool if they do that at the August Takeover or Great American Bash. Uh, either way, I think it'd be pretty cool. So I, uh, I, I could say, I'm not gonna put too many hopes up for Diamond Mine, but I just want to let it play out and see where it goes from there. I know I've asked this before, but if every wrestling promotion was on cable and you could only watch two, which two are you going with? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'll go with uh, WWE and New Japan. Um, WWE because it has NXT UK, which is my favorite wrestling show. And I'll go with New Japan because it helps pay the bills. So, <laughs> uh, those those are the ones I'll go with. Um do you like the the presentation of the NXT Women's Tag Team Division? Yes, I do. Uh, they announced they're going to have this big uh, triple threat uh, number one contenders match coming up uh, this week on NXT. It's Dakota Kai and Raquel against Shotzi and Ember against uh, EO and Zoe Stark. A triple threat match winners fight uh, the way for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles at a Great American Bash. Um yeah, I think, I think it's pretty cool. I, I I like what they do. They do put an emphasis on it. And um, I'm just curious to see what they're going to do as far as trying to establish more singles, female stars. Um, I know they're trying to do that right now with Frankie Monet, but I don't think they're going to rush her into a title match anytime soon with uh, Raquel Gonzalez. I think that's more down the road. But um, we'll be curious to see uh, who who's going to go after Raquel Gonzalez next. I'm very curious to see where that happens, where where that goes. 
you know. Um, so yeah, I, I do like the presentation of the women's tag division. I think they do a good job with it. Are you looking forward to John Cena coming back? Well, as a member, a former member of the Cena Sucks tribe, um, I am excited to see John Cena come back. Um, I have a lot of respect for John Cena, man. Um, he's a Taurus, so give a shout out to my fellow Taurus brother. Um, he's an awesome dude. He's a good person. He's done a lot of good stuff for the WWE. Very underappreciated. And I don't think John Cena ever will ever get the props for what he's done for the WWE post um, attitude there because so many wrestling fans are still stuck in that late 90s, early 2000s bubble that they don't allow to appreciate what John Cena has brought to the organization and the industry since then. Um, I am looking forward to John Cena coming back. Um, I'm curious to see what he does. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for the Invisible Man to come back. <laughs> Um, favorite character in wrestling history? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely The Undertaker, for sure, Nate. Uh, for me, Undertaker will always go down as my favorite character of all time in professional wrestling, for sure. Alright, last question for the podcast this week. Is the struggle and sadness always worth it, even if the end is happiness? Well, I think that just depends on uh, what are you conquering. Is it uh, struggle and sadness to try to figure out who you are after rejection? Are you struggle and sadness, um, you know, overcoming a death? Or are you, you know, grinding and being told no and no and no and no and no? Uh, are you dealing with that and then finally conquering your goals and your dreams? That that could be a, something too, you know. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, Nate. I think the struggle... It's always worth it. Uh, when it comes to sadness, I think it's okay to look yourself in the mirror and it's okay to cry. I think it's okay to have sadness. I think it's okay to have that raw feeling inside of you because if you don't feel anything inside, what's the purpose of being here? You know? At what point do you start feeling empty and you be like, then you start getting some more serious thoughts and stuff that you should, should go see people about and stuff like that? I always think if I if I don't appreciate the bad days, none of what I've done over the last eight years when it comes to this media career is meant shit. If I haven't appreciated the days where I was passed over to go cover WrestleMania Dallas for Nick Hausman. If I didn't appreciate the times I got no for WWE interviews or the days of, you know, intertwining different hosts and stuff like that, or the days of when I didn't like enjoy hearing myself or I didn't believe in what I was doing on air, you know, stuff like that, you know, the struggle of having respect uh, in my field when it comes to the transcripts, um, there's a lot of stuff that go. I there's a lot of things I've overcome. Not a lot of things that I broadcast on there because I don't look for sympathy from people. But I think we all go through struggles. If you can't appreciate the bad days that come to your life, no matter what you're doing, then what the fuck are you learning? How are you growing as a person? You know uh, how are you growing? I think for me, I really, really, over the last couple of years, I've really just come to accept the fact that 
It does not matter what anybody thinks about you. It doesn't matter how you come off to people. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what obstacles are thrown in front of you. What are you going to do about it? Okay, people don't understand you. So what? They don't deserve to. People don't think you can reach a ceiling or they don't think you can do something. Guess what? Go do it and fucking prove them wrong. Do something about it. So I'll answer the question there and it's a good leeway to this uh, wisdom part of this, of this Q&A session. Somebody doesn't understand you. They don't deserve to. Someone doesn't gonna take the time to get to know you and pass judgment on you for the way you look, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, they can fuck off. I have learned a lot over the last couple of years about a lot of different things, professionally, emotionally, mentally, personally, just everything about life. We've, you know, I've really taken this time during this pandemic to really, really hone in into what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and learning from the people I've interacted with and the people I don't interact with anymore. So I just came back from Oviedo, Florida uh, on Monday and, you know, just got back in the grind, you know, right as I got off the plane, I got back to my house. I did Hell in the Cell. I did AEW Dark Elevation. I did Monday Night Raw that night. And then the next morning at 7 o'clock, on six hours of sleep, I did a New Japan show. Now, I, as I just said that, I'm not looking for people to give me a standing ovation or trying to pump up my chest or anything like that. What I'm telling you is, whether you are going through pain emotionally, where you have your heart fractured, where you deal with uh, frustration, or you're trying to find some closure, whatever the situation is, continue to do what makes you happy and what what got you to where you are right now. I don't care what happens. There's nothing in this life that's that powerful to stop you from getting better the next day. Think about that. I went down to Florida for two weeks for a couple reasons. I was looking for a couple of houses and I decided that if I do decide to move down to Florida, I'm going to go either Orlando or Winter Springs. Those are the two cities I chose. We're going to have real honest conversation with you guys here. Thought about it. I was in Oviedo. I went to Winter Park. I went to Winter Springs. I went to Sanford. A couple other cities I didn't mention. But as far as like where I want to be if I do decide to move down to Florida, it's going to be in Orlando. Or it's going to be in Winter Springs. Those are the two that I'm choosing. And that's it. <laughs> I've really come to realize over the last couple of years that I am in control of the decisions I make. I am responsible and in control of how the good things and bad things come out of the decisions I make. Because I have to learn with every decision I make. The good and the bad. If I make a mistake, I learn from it. If something good happens to me, I have to learn how to continue to take that next step. I'm never satisfied within who I am. 
I don't expect things from people. I don't want things from anybody. I don't want a handout from anybody. Anything I get in my life, I want to earn it because I put the work into it. That's just how I am as a person. I went down to Florida for two weeks because I worked for it. I fucking busted my ass to make that trip a reality. Major point here I want to express with people here when it comes to the wisdom part of this Q&A session. If you don't have any self-respect, you have nothing. Okay? I had a great time down in Florida. I want to make that perfectly clear. I had a great time. Got to see a lot of good restaurants. I went to SeaWorld. I did a couple other things on the side. I got to visit the WWE Performance Center for the first time in person. I thought that was really cool. I did a lot of cool things and things that I'm very, very grateful for. But I think I'd be naive to come on here and tell you that I did go back down to Oviedo for closure. Two years ago, tomorrow... I had my heart fractured. Two years ago, I had my heart fractured from the woman I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Two years ago, I had my heart fractured from my best friend. The best thing that ever happened to me. I went down there for closure, and I found that closure. And you know what I learned from that? I'd rather... Put my self-respect first than losing who the fuck I was in the first place. The person that I got to where I am right now is not taking a step back. I'm not taking a step back for anybody. I'm not taking a step back for uh, flaky family members. I'm not taking a step back for flaky friends. I'm not taking a step back for anybody. I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to go and get better every single day. I'm going to go about my business and try to better expand my brand and what I do here with the podcast and the transcripts. I'm going to do everything I fucking can to reach my goals. And nobody's going to tell me I can't do it. And nobody's going to tell me that I can't do this and I can't do that. Because when they do, it just goes out one ear out the other. Because what they say does not matter at the end of the day. I went down in Oviedo and I had to really go face my fears and the insecurities I've been feeling inside over the last year since this rejection went down. Since I had my heart fractured. I did that. I went to the place where I had quasi our first date. This restaurant called Rock and Bruce. I was there. That was the most cathartic feeling I've ever had in my entire life. And, you know, in these situations when you have a rejection, people always tell you it's so easy to move on, move on, do this, move on, move that. Guess what? I fucking decide when I want to move on. I decide when I could remove something that I really felt inside. And I found... I found it really interesting because I think real real closure comes in different ways. When I was taking the flight back to Chicago after I got rejected, I was, I, was, I broke down on the plane and started crying nearly the entire flight. Never shared that out here. 
<laughs> and you know what? I I don't really care. I I'm being honest with you. You know, I'm just letting it all out here. I broke down the plane when I flew back to Chicago two years ago after I got rejected and got into a really bad depression. I know I had closure by how this last flight went. Guess what? I didn't share one fucking tear. I have my closure now. As much as I never wanted to have closure in the first place because it's the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Was it worth it? Was it worth having the last couple days of my trip be in, you know, like being vulnerable, crying? Yeah, it was worth it. I needed closure for a lot of things. I needed I needed closure for that. And I needed to really take a step back and reevaluate a lot of things. And you know what I found out? I'm right where I need to be. And I'm fucking proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I've been through. I'm proud that I gave myself to a woman. When I'll seek anything in return. And guess what? It didn't work out. And that's okay. It's really okay. Because she don't fucking deserve me. And she's not on my level. Period. I also found out that I'm good enough for me. And that's what matters at the end of the day. It's not from an ego standpoint or braggadocious or arrogant standpoint. I love my family. I care about my friends. I care about my good brothers and good sisters. I, I'm a good human being. I care about people. But I come first. I decide what I do with my heart. I decide on whether I should love or not be in love with someone. Because the girl doesn't know what the hell she wants. She's going to sit here and tell me that I need to delve deeper spiritually about uh, how my connections with all these, uh, with my connections with partners down the road. Are you fucking kidding me? Mrs. I'm in a situationship. Mrs. I'm going to try to feel guilty over somebody that abused you. Oh, I need to delve deep spiritually. Like, I did delve deep spiritually when I was in a fucking depression when I came back from Oviedo the first time. Yeah, my heart fractured because I just thought. I just thought I was in love with this person. I, I was trying to convince myself that I was in love with this person. No, I was. And guess what? You're not on my level, so you don't fucking deserve my love anyway. That's the truth. How you gonna, how you gonna have somebody tell you uh, for a woman who doesn't know what the hell she wants? She's in a situationship and trying to convince herself that I think that I'm in love with her. No, I was. And guess what? It didn't work out, and that's okay. But here's the thing: I'm a person that doesn't tolerate disrespect. I told you she's my best friend. So guess what? Even after being rejected, I delved in deeply. I went through every mental hurdle to make sure that I didn't get to the point where I fucking hated this girl. Don't tell me that I did delve deep spiritually. It's because God brought me, brought you to my life. 
This whole time I've known you, I've always had God in the back of my head saying that she's the one for you. Don't try to question my level of knowledge or my, the way I went about this. I knew how I went because it hurt. You don't know the pain I went through because you didn't care. You didn't care. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you want. You're not at my level. And now it's over. It's over. I wrote my goodbye. And I'm on I'm on to being myself. I'm on to doing other things. I'm on to things that make me happy. You know what makes me happy and satisfied? This. Me. I'm happy. I have what I have. I found someone. I found me. And I'm good enough for myself. And at the end of the day, one thing you have to understand, people, is that you cannot tolerate disrespect. I, even after being rejected, I still continue to be a friend. And what I got out, out of being a friend, guess what, folks? Whenever you let your guard down to the woman that rejected you, even though she is your best friend and the woman you care about the most, right? <laughs> she had the audacity to tell me, oh, I don't want to lead you on. Every time I let my guard down, I had to be having that copy and paste message of, oh, I don't want to lead you on and stuff like that. <laughs> so much for being a friend, right? So, you know, I got my closure and I'm happy about that. I'm then proud of the person I am. I'm proud of where I am. And nothing and no one is going to bring me down where I am right now. And on that note, that's a wrap for this Good Brothers Q&A session. We'll be right back on Who's Podcast. We'll talk about what happened this week in WWE. All right, folks, welcome back to the Who's Podcast, ready to rock and roll. Got a lot more stuff to talk about here on the podcast this week. So we're going to start off here talking about what happened this week in WWE. And we, we'll start off with the Hell in the Cell review. This is the last WWE pay-per-view at the Thunderdome. And I, I, you kind of felt it that way with just how physical some of these matches were. And one thing I'm definitely going to miss about the Thunderdome era of WWE is the hard-hitting physical matches that we've been getting on like TVs and stuff like that. The the series of matches with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. The stuff that Randy Orton was doing last year. Um, this other countless examples, but like... You know, this you look at this show from top to bottom. Of course, you have the Hell of Some matches, and those are always grueling and barbaric type of matches. But I just like the overall tone. Like you felt like uh, just a big sense of energy. I think a lot of the performers were really excited to really bring out the good out of each other, especially with the fact that fans are coming back around the corner uh, for Money in the Bank, and. I thought this show was a good send-off for what the Thunderdome era was. Uh, were there good things? Were there bad things? Sure. But I think from top to bottom, I thought Hell in the Cell capped off a good era of the Thunderdome for WWE as far as pay-per-views and matches and stuff like that. Um, I want to give shout-outs to Natalia and um, Mandy Rose for the match they had on the kickoff show. 
That was really, really good. I thought both ladies brought their A game and really brought something good to the table. I thought they did a very, very, very good job. So I want to give a shout out to Natalia and Betty Rose. Show started off with Bianca Belair and Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship inside Hell in the Cell. Uh, very good. I actually enjoyed this uh, Hell in the Cell match with Bianca and Bailey more than the one Bailey had with Sasha at last year's Hell in the Cell match. Uh, Bianca did a very good job this match, and she's very good at what she does. I don't think she gets her props. Uh, she just has every evidence of it that can be out there, and she has a mean streak, and you can buy to what she does. And I thought she did a very good job. There's a lot of nice, unique spots from Bailey from a counter wrestling point of view. Um, I thought the body slam through the kendo sticks was uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> um, just a lot of good physicality. Um, you know, Bailey messing with Michael Cole during the match is always fun and entertaining, right? And um, I wanted to give big props to Bailey and Bianca because I thought they did a really good job for setting the tone for the show. I thought they did a good job. Uh, other stuff that happened on the show, you know, we had Alexa Bliss defeat uh, Shayna Baszler. You know, that, that stuff is what it is. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I thought there was a couple good spots in the match, but, you know, everybody's main takeaway is the hocus pocus stuff. And if you if you don't like that stuff, cool, that's fine. If you do, that's fine, too. I'm... For me, I'm in I'm Switzerland on this. Uh, it really doesn't affect me where it bothers me, but it's also something that I'm not clamoring for either. Um, it's not something that I market out for either. <laughs> um, what else? Try to dig off the top of my head. Um, why is this slipping my head? Oh, Seth Rollins against Cesaro. Very, very, very good match. Just top-tier stuff for both guys. We all know how good of wrestlers they are. Sephiroth did pick up the victory uh, over Cesaro. There was a lot of roll-ups on this show, which I was kind of surprised with. But I also kind of surprised with the fans that get upset with the finishes that have a roll-up. I mean, you are in a wrestling match, and you do lose by a roll-up. I mean, just throwing it out there. He is a heel. He did find a way to cheat to win. <laughs> so, um... Sephiroth did defeat Cesaro. I thought that was a very good match. Talk about physicality. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. Um, Sami Zayn did defeat Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will be taking time off of television, which sucks for me because I'm a big fan of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is my favorite male wrestler on the WWE roster right now. And that kind of sucks that he's going to be off of TV for a while. But like I said earlier, the Q&A session, KO, you're in my thoughts. So I hope you recover and... We'll be excited to see you back in the ring sometime soon down the road. Okay, what else happened on this show? We had Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair go to disqualification. We found out that they'll be having a rematch at Money in the Bank, so I think that'll be. I, I love, I love, I love the physicality between both of them. You can tell these two ladies don't like each other. I think they work really well in the ring. And you know what's interesting is that. I, I, I mentioned this a gazillion times. I really thought Charlotte and Rhea Ripley had one of the best women's wrestling matches in the last five years at last year's WrestleMania. Yet everybody's takeaway was that Charlotte beat Rhea Ripley as if you thought that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> 
I, the thing with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte and the times they've wrestled each other and in NXT on Raw, you know, on the pay-per-views and stuff, they've never wrestled in front of a live crowd. They didn't have a live crowd at the full sales show for last year's In Your House. They, there wasn't the fans at WrestleMania, obviously, last year. Um, there wasn't fans at the Third Dome for Backlash or Hell in the Cell. And I think it's very interesting. I'm very curious to see how the crowd will react to a Charlotte Rhea Ripley match. And if it feels up to me, I would have those two ladies start off the show just like they did that WrestleMania thing and have them just have this go all out. Have a barn burner. This go. Hell, make it an Iron Man match. I don't care. Just have them tear the house down and see who's the better lady. Because that's just really the genesis of this. I mean, we hear this, the storyline plots where Charlotte, I think deep down Charlotte sees a lot of Rhea, Rhea in herself, so maybe that's why they hate each other. Like, you can tell sometimes the people you hate the most is kind of a subtle reflection of who you are, and it's always interesting how that plays out, so... Um, yeah, the match in the DQ, yeah, you would want a better finish on the pay-per-view, but... He continues on the story, so maybe we'll have the conclusion at Money the Bank. We'll see what happens. Um, Drew McIntyre against Bobby Lashley in the Hell in the Cell. Just absolutely awesome. I love this match so much. The physicality, the story they told in the ring, uh, MVP's commentary on the outside during this match was phenomenal. Uh, I am. I am a Drew McIntyre guy. I don't care who gets offended by that. Drew McIntyre can fucking go in the ring, and I'll watch any of his matches any day of the week. Uh, him and Lashley have great chemistry with each other. They beat the crap out of each other. I loved this match. Uh, Bobby Lashley did retain over uh, Drew McIntyre thanks to help from MVP from the outside. But, um, you know, Bobby Lashley retained right call, you know, and I really, really enjoyed that match. So, if you guys haven't seen it, go check out Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre's Hell in the Cell match. Uh, real quick, let's go over some of the stuff that's been going on this week in television, and then uh, we'll get to our main event segment. Um, you know, we got um, Money in the Bank coming up, and they really did a good job this week on television. Already set up uh, qualified matches and participants for the Money in the Bank ladder matches for both the ladies and the dudes. Uh, for the ladies, we have Alexa Bliss... Nikki Cross, Asuka, and Naomi. So those are four. I think both ladder matches have eight people in it, right? Four for Raw, four for SmackDown, right? And then for the men, we have three confirmed right now, which will be John Morrison, Ricochet, and Matt Riddle. So we'll figure out who the other participants will be in that match. Uh, it be very interesting where that goes. Um, what else I wanted to mention really quick? Uh, oh, for Raw this week. Again, I really enjoyed a lot of those matches. Uh, Brady Orton and John Morrison was really cool. Nice little throwback match like that. I thought that was sweet. Same thing with uh, uh, the Drew McIntyre Matt Riddle match was awesome. Really, really enjoyed that. The main event of the show for Raw this week was Bobby Lashley and Xavier Woods in the Hell in the Cell. Now, I don't know why this match needed to be in the Hell in the Cell. I, I don't think it needed to be. But with that... I thought they served their purpose and what they wanted to accomplish with that and get under Kofi's skin and try to bring out a new side of aggression out of him. 
And I guess that's the route they wanted to go. So, no, I don't think they needed the Hell in the Cell match. I, I, that's just my opinion. But it didn't take away from what they did in the ring and the goal of where they wanted to go with that feud. So, Bobby Lashley will be fighting Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank for the WWE Championship. And um, curious to see how that plays off on television the next couple weeks, you know. Money in the Bank is in July 18th. I could be mistaken, but uh, it's it's going to be cool. I'm really excited for it. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, nonetheless, as Michael Cole would say, <laughs> uh, I do want to mention that I'm I'm just really intrigued to see what the, the Tribal Chief does at Money in the Bank. Uh, nothing confirmed yet, but wouldn't be surprised if it's Roman Reigns against Jay Uso at Money in the Bank. I'm really excited to see which show where Edge comes back. Uh, it had to be the SmackDown before Money in the Bank, right? Or the one after? Does he show up at Money in the Bank? I don't know. There's so many options. That's the thing. Um... Yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens. SummerSlam's right around the corner too. I wish I had I wish I had more money so I could go to SummerSlam. I would I would like to go, but some of the prices out there are freaking ridiculous. I would have to go there for free just to cover the event. That that would be the only way I get there at this point. But um, yeah, I would I would love to go to SummerSlam. I just don't think I'd be able to make it financially. So, um, anyways, I. I'm very curious to see where WWE goes around the corner. Money Bank's always a fun show, and I'm glad it's not at the uh, corporate headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut this year. So uh, we'll get the live crowd in 4-4 Texas. It's going to be a special show, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see what goes down on that show. And wouldn't be surprised if Sami Zayn's in that um, in that Money Bank ladder match as well. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think it'd be very interesting if he was the one who won the Money in the Big ladder match. I will say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, one last thing I wanted to plug here for the WWE segment this week is, you guys know I cover NXT UK every week. Today, as I'm recording this on a Thursday, we have Ilya Dragunov against Joe Coffey against Rampage Brown in a triple threat match. If you want a hoss fight, a barn burner, whatever you want to call it, make sure you watch NXT UK this week. It's the best show WWE produces every single week. I, I've been saying this for years. It remains true. NXT UK is the best professional wrestling show on the planet right now. So on that note, that's what happened this week in WWE. Now we're going to get to a part of the show that can be fun for the listening audience, but not so much fun for yours truly. I mentioned earlier in the show, Burkhardt's off on a sabbatical, so it's going to be kind of sad that he's not going to be participating in these uh, what-the-hell-is-wrong-with-AEW segments over the next couple of weeks. But don't worry, your boys got you here to hold down the fort for the Hoots podcast, and that's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, because, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... What the hell is wrong with AEW? We're going to start this off in a 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Welcome to What the Hell is Wrong with AEW this week. Or as I like to say, 
What is it wrong with AEW? <laughs> Gonna start off this week's show talking about some of these matches I've seen on AEW Dark and Elevation over the last couple of days. And uh, it's a, I, I brought this up a couple weeks ago before I went back to Florida. Uh, a little, little side comedy thing I got from the Cornette show. Why do I do this to myself? So you guys know that I cover the AEW Dark show. And elevation every single week, and this is not a slight towards uh, the independent performers trying to make a name for themselves and you know get jobs. But I'm gonna read off these matches, and you tell me if this if this is, entices you or if it if it's elite. That's the genesis of this part here. So why do I do this to myself? Well, we'll start it off with here. FTR against Royce Isaacs and Drell Nelson. Now I will say this is a good match. This is a match you should check out. Let's get that out of the way. All right, here we go. Nyla Rose against Delmi Exo. How about this one? 19-5, the acclaim against 0-33, Baron Black, and 0-1, Vanish. Fourth match, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, the Varsity Blondes against... Hear this out. Bums are us. It doesn't get more outlaw mud show than bums are us. <laughs> All right, here we go. 15-9, Chris Statlander gets 0-5, Renee Michelle. Next, 18-6, oh, Matt Hardy gets Jorah Joel. Wardlow and Sean Spears running through Ryzen and Cal Hero. Shout out to Cal. Will Hobbs runs through Derek Beck. There was a couple squash matches on the show, served their purpose. Same thing with Jake Cargill and Robert Renegade. Uh, this is the main. Uh, this is one of the main events of the show. Um, <laughs> Eddie Kingston in Pentagon Junior gets Owen thirty seven Fuego del Sol in Owen twenty Barry Morales. I always like seeing Eddie Kingston in Pentagon on my screen, but come on, guys. And then how about this for the main event? No, this wasn't the main event. Uh, we had Jungle Boy having a competitive match with Caesar Bononi. My God, this match sucked. Uh, Matt Seidel and Jack Evans was your main event this week, and long and overstayed its welcome. So that was AW Dark Elevation this week. Here is AW Dark ten matches on this card: Lance Archer against Rex Lawless, Brian Pillman Jr. against Bear Bronson, decent match. Brian Cage against Chandler Hopkins. Decent match, but why is Hopkins getting so much offense on Brian Cage? That doesn't make sense to me. Here we go. 22 and 13 Diamante against 0 and 4 Ashley Diambos. Guess who won that match? <laughs> 29 and 15 Cole Cabana beating 0 and 5 Kit Sackett. Chuck Taylor against Dan Barry. Next, Abaddon against Ashley Fox. Next, oh, here we go. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with AEW? I don't know. How about this as a matchup? 20 and 21, Griff Garrison, a babyface, against 17 and 24, Marco Stunt! Oh. Who in their right mind thinks Marco Stunt and Griff Garrison is a good match? This is the Booker of the Year? God. 
The Bunny beats Rika Tahaka. Oh, it's nice to see Bunny on my screen. Stu Grayson and 9-31 in Serpentico in the main event. And Stu Grayson wins, as he should. So, why do I do this to myself? The AEW YouTube shows. The AEW YouTube marathons. Now, let's go over what happened this week in Dynamite. As we talk about it here, what well, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Oh, <laughs> we started off great. Wardlow and Jake Hager in an MMA cage fight. And guess, ladies and gentlemen, who's the, the official for this match? Lo and behold, it's Mrs. Personality herself, Aubrey Edwards. Yes! No, wait for it. We have a new uh, iteration to that. No! <laughs> My God, this was so brutal, man. I feel so bad for Wardlow. This is not how you present a guy who could be a future star in your company. Like, Wardlow has everything I said earlier about Bianca Belair having it and stuff like that. Wardlow has that in shades as well with him as a character and as a wrestler. You have Aubrey Edwards, a reckless ref, an egomaniac ref, be official for a quote-unquote shoot fight? Well, I guess you could do her Karanas and stuff in the octagon, but yeah, <laughs> the fact they started off the show with the cage was absolutely hilarious to me. I mean, the cage they had was nice, you know, a little presentation like that. I thought that was cool and all, but it's so ridiculous. And then, of course, you, with every AEW show, they want to be New Japan so bad because Tony Khan has his fucking ass printed and Dave Meltzer, he has... No, Tony Khan has his list printed on Dave Meltzer's ass. Like, they have to have a New Japan brawl after every single match that goes on. They can't leave anything well enough alone. Uh, they can't leave anything well enough alone. We always have to have a damn afterbirth after all these matches. So, here comes the inner circle beating up uh, Jake Hager. Chris Jericho comes in. I don't know why he's still on TV. Here comes MGF attacking Dean Malenko. And we're going to have MJF against Sammy Guevara uh, coming up on Dynamite next Wednesday. So Dynamite will be back on Wednesdays uh, on the 30th. There'll be a Saturday night Dynamite coming up on Saturday this week. Where we have Olivier and Jungle Boy for the AEW Championship. I guess you know where that's going to go. And nothing else needs to be said after that. <laughs> um... Darby Allen loses to Scorpio Sky to eat the page in a 2 one handicap match. I just thought this match was there. I didn't think it'd do anything for anybody. I still don't get the pairing of Scorpio Sky and eat the page outside of the... Oh, oh Scorpio Sky... No, not my bad. Uh, eat the page and Allen had a feud in the Indies. And Scorpio Sky was butthurt because Darby beat him in a TNT championship match. Like, outside those peripherally things that would placate to a dirt sheet audience... Does casual fans know anything about the history of Ethan Page and Darby Allen? And do any of those casual fans give two fucks? No, <laughs> of course not. But when it comes to Tony Khan, I have to appease those people because I am part of the IWC. Yeah, no shit. You saying that you are part of the IWC is the biggest understatement of understatements. 
Let's talk about this much show match. Orange Cassidy against Caesar Bononi. With all due respect, Caesar Bononi sucks. Just throwing it out there. And him having this match with Pockets just made my head go in a mazillion places. And this was not fun to sit through. I think the best part of the show for me this week was uh, Cody Rhodes and Brock Anderson against QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. I thought it was a very good match. And I was very impressed by what I saw by Brock Anderson. So there you go, folks. There's a little bit of positivity from yours truly this week. Uh, you want to talk about positivity? How about this? We had Penelope Ford on my screen this week. That's that's always a great thing. You know, I had a question earlier about who's the most underrated uh, women's wrestler in the business right now. I said Carmella. But number two on that list is Penelope Ford. A.W., Tony Khan, you have somebody who could be on the level of Britt Baker as well from a character and presentation standpoint if you actually give her the time and opportunity to do so. She has the look. She works well in the ring. Her facial expressions are on point. Let her talk. Let's let, let us... Let's let us get to know her more than her being the the side the the wife of Times New Roman Font. We know nothing else about her. Let us get to hear her talk. Let her cut some promos. You, you have a star there, and you can do a lot of things with Penelope Ford, but you don't do anything with her. I love Jay Cargill. I'll throw it out of the way as far as positive stuff on the show. I love Jay Cargill. She is that bitch. Do I have interest in seeing Britt Baker and Rebel against Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero? No. Do I have interest in seeing Mi Miro, Miro against Brian Pillman Jr.? No. Speaking of things that don't catch my interest, how about this for a matchup? Eddie Kingston, Pentagon Jr., and Frankie Gazarian against Matt Jackson, a.k.a. Pie Face Buck, and the Good Brothers. Oh, God, man. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at my transcript right now. And I wrote five paragraphs of a cold six-man taxi match. Or trios, because we got to be smart marks here. And we have to call it right by the Spanish gimmick names, right? Folks, who got over this match? And what's the fucking point? Ah, oh, man. Last thing I want to talk about here in this segment this week is interview that Rick Moranis, a.k.a. Tony Khan, did with part of my take podcast with uh, Big Cat, um, the Barcel Big, Big Cat dude. Um, There's a article that came out saying that Tony Khan thought that Double or Nothing was better than WrestleMania. I'm not taken aback by it. I mean, he is a promoter, so he, he's allowed to think what he wants. My thing is, is that this is the dude that in the initial stages of this promotion said that he wasn't going to talk about what other promotions do, and that he wants to focus on himself, and he wants to make sure that AEW has an identity. If you don't have an identity, what's the part? What's the point of your product or your organization? Yet this dude continues to be a hypocrite and talk out of both sides of his ass. Now, he did say he did enjoy WrestleMania, and everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but my issue with this is that 
If you need to sell tickets for Arthur Ashe Stadium and all you have to say is that, oh, well, Double or Nothing was better than WrestleMania, based on what? Football fuckery? Cody Rose and Anthony Go-Go? Go-Go the fuck home? Shitty refereeing the entire night? Anyways, y'all, we're all entire our opinions, but we all could be wrong too at the same time. Tony Khan saying that Double or Nothing was better than WrestleMania is just fucking hilarious to me. Just like a lot of things that come out of Jacksonville, Florida and Daly's Place. On that note, that is What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, it's been a very fun and cathartic show to do, uh, to say the least. <laughs> and I appreciate you for uh, letting me to speak from my heart there towards the end of the Q&A session this week. And this, again, just another reminder to be the authentic product that is yourself. It does not matter what anybody says or does you or anything like that. You decide what path you want to lead on in your life. Let God and you handle that. Nobody else, okay? I love you guys. You have a wonderful weekend. Uh, I'll be back here next week. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of big stuff going around the horizon for New Japan and Impact Wrestling. I'll start getting to that as well in the next coming weeks as well. But I uh, want to keep it a little shorter this week uh, since we came off of pay-per-view and stuff like that. So uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now. Uh, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. It drops every single Thursday, free of charge. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're an Apple Podcast user, make sure to uh, leave us a four or five star review and rating. It helps expand the reach of the show. And I really would appreciate some feedback as far as what you like or dislike about the Hoots Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit spam Twitter support and say hashtag free the Hoots Podcast. Also, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at joshlopez94, at joshlopezmedia as well. And make sure to bookmark prowrestlingtranscriptions.com. I'm Josh. You have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Remember, be the authentic product that is yourself. And nobody dictates the, dictates the pace of your life but you. I love you guys. We'll be back here next week for the Hoots Podcast. Yes, sir.